Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, Genesis. Welcome to you guys here this morning, to you guys watching online. Glad you could join us once again. Uh, We're going to pause right now. We're going to pray, and we're going to move forward with gathering together and growing together. So let's pray. Father, once again, time is set aside for you to do a work within us. And our prayer is that we would be open to that work, that the things that are done here this morning through the music, through the words I speak, through the interaction that takes place among each other would be fuel for our soul, would be connection to you, an opportunity for us to grow and to become more like your son, Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. Again, good morning. Got a few announcements. Uh, one, again, we are here because of your contribution, uh, the giving, and there's the ways you can give. They'll put up on the screen. Uh, we appreciate that faithfulness for you who tithe and uh, keep the lights on and do those things. Um, Tax receipts will be here next week. And then they'll also go out in the mail. Okay, tax receipts will be here next week, and they will also go in the mail, just to let you all know. Um, Also, this week happening, uh, we've got our uh, philosophy and critical thinking happening on the 18th, Tuesday, at 7 p.m. here. And uh, this week, it's going to be on communication, right, Jordan? Yep, communication, so that should be a good one. I hope you guys can be here. I will not be able to make it this Tuesday. Uh, I go in for a pre-opt appointment Tuesday. Um, I know I mentioned that when I had my appendix out, they found a tumor on my kidney. Um, That is going to be removed February 1st, so I'm going to be gone for a few weeks after February, and Randy is going to be speaking. And Randy did an amazing job two weeks ago. If you guys didn't hear, it was uh, amazing. You should go back and listen to it just on hope and very encouraging. And so you guys are going to be very fortunate to hear from Randy again for a few weeks while I am in recovery. And so I was thinking that... um, what can I do between then? I don't want to just start like a whole new series. And so I thought, I've got three weeks. What am I going to talk about for three weeks? So I'm going to talk about the Trinity. It just kind of seemed three, Trinity. So that's, that's what we're going with today. I'm going to talk about the Trinity. And today is part one, talking about God the Father. And 
The Trinity is a mysterious concept, one God, three persons, and it's if we are meant to understand that God is more than just a being, that he is inclusive, that he is relational, that within himself he is connected to himself and to all of his creation, and it is part of of his nature, if you will. And we see this throughout scripture. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the word God that is used there is the word Elohim, which is a plural. El means God, and Ohim has the idea of more. And so from the very beginning, the idea is God is, and he is more. We see it again in Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That word our, what is that referring to, right? Some people think he's referring to angels. Some thinks he's referring to, again, the sun, which we'll get into a little bit more next week. But we start to see this inclusiveness about it, that it's not the singularity. And in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, we get another glimpse where it says, when God created man, he created him in the likeness of God, which is interesting in itself. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man or Adam when they were created. So many interesting things in that passage. First of all, man and woman were created in his image. In his image, he created them, and he calls them both Adam right here. He doesn't call them Adam and Eve. He calls them Adam. Just to mess with your minds there. Just throw that out, right? And so what we start to see is there is this idea of our, this idea of in his image that includes others than just this simplicity or singularity of thought. And the idea that we are created in his image, that we in some ways look like God, but there's billions of us. And maybe it takes billions of us to represent God. You know, have you ever noticed that sometimes like couples that stay together start to look like each other? Or even people who get dogs start to look like their dogs or act like their dogs. I had one client, I went into their house and they had a smaller dog and this dog was just hyper, was just barking, jumping on me, like wanting attention, like jump, 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 just constantly, just super hyperactive. And I was like, wow, this dog's hyper. And then I started talking with the owner and they were like, I don't know what's wrong with the dog, man. They just jump, 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 jump. They don't stop jumping. They don't stop jumping. And I had to say to them, you know what? You, you need to stop talking to your dog for like one day. Just don't talk and see if it makes a difference. And their partner said, should I pay you now or later? <laughs> we start to see the resemblance because of the interaction and you can do the same thing with people and their God. They say they believe in the God of the Bible, but in description, their God somehow starts to look like them, has to have their same views. God hates all the people they hate. God likes all the things they like. And we start to see that we're actually creating God in our image. Their God is shaped by their culture and beliefs, 
all of us are shaped by those things. Their God is a Republican, Democrat, capitalist, socialist, environmentalist, depends on what they like. Their God is matching who they are. And without recognizing it, they start to see God in their own image. And God becomes a way of legitimizing our way of life and our way of thinking without even knowing it. And so this is the idea of that God is a projection, that we see God as a projection of what we want God to be. But really, God is less of a projection and more of a projectile. God is not meant to be conformed to the things that we think. Forbach deduced that for most people, God is mostly a projection. They are projecting themselves onto something bigger. Religion at its best should be less of a projection and more of the projectile, that it doesn't justify our ideology or our politics or our religion, but it critiques and in some case shatters it because it needs to be more than us. It needs to be bigger than us. If not, are we just projecting? How do we know if it's God unless it is changing us, destroying those views? And so we have Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that turns the religious world upside down. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are peacemakers. It, it, it changes the dynamic of what they saw at their time, and I think at our time too. He would later say in Matthew 21 that tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before the religious leaders. You see, their idea of God was shaped where these people are on top. Jesus flips it. He says, no, the prostitutes and tax collectors are going to be a part of God's kingdom before you. A projectile shattering their idea and concept of who God is. The Pharisees' God was often just a projection of who they were and what they did. Jesus comes along like a projectile and destroys their view and understanding of who's in, who's out, who's pure, who's impure. And now opens up an idea that is bigger than they at that time were willing to conceive, to understand. And one way that people view God is basically like a super being, right? An object that we can understand, wrap our minds around, but just better than, right? We're, in, we're finite, God's infinite. We're limited to be one place or another, God's omnipresent. You know, we have limited power. God has all kinds of power. There's an episode in The Simpsons where Homer Simpson is praying, and he says, I don't know if you exist or if you can hear me, but if you can, Superman, save me. And it's a joke, but it rings true when we start to think some people just make God a Superman. He's just bigger than. He, he's able to, you know, do miracles. We can't. He's able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, right? That kind of idea, it, it's just to the nth degree, but it's still this idea of a super being. And if we're not careful, our perception of God will be that of just a glorified father, a glorified human, able to do what we are unable to do. But there is 
a danger in attaching an image to God that isn't complete. It's called idolatry. It's making him less. It's reducing God to our understanding or this image. And any reduction of who God is, is a reduction to idolatry. That's why the first commandment was given in Exodus chapter 20. In verse 3, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So whatever idea you have of God, God is more and any image is going to degrade who he is. And so they resisted that idea of the image. We are like ships that are sunken into the ocean. And the ocean contains the ship, and the ship contains the ocean. But while the ship only contains a fragment of the ocean, the ocean contains the entirety of the ship. We are saturated in God, unable to see the entirety of who he is because we are only in this small area. That is why the Hebrews would try to dename God. Paul would tell the Gentiles in Athens, in him we live and move and have our being. Because he is so much more. We are swimming in God, unaware of it. And the idea of denaming God is interesting. It's where we get our word denomination from. The idea is that because we are supposed to be places where we dename God in order that the God does not become a mere projection, but he becomes in totality who he is supposed to be. There's a local poet, Michael Henderson, who said, God, may it be the real you that I pray to, and may it be the real me who prays. And I love that. Let us not reduce God to what we can understand. But then we have this idea of the Father, God the Father. And so when we say God the Father, we have to quickly add, but not a father like our fathers. Because many of us, like well, I shared last week, don't have really examples of fathers. Right? So God's a father, but not like an actual man with the temper and shortcomings that we have. Right? So Numbers would say, God is not a man that he should lie, or, or a human that he should change his mind. Immediately, there's an understanding that God is like a father, but not just like a father. He's like a father, but different. But it's not without meaning. The word father was a patriarch, someone who was in charge, someone who cared for the family someone who provided for the family. God is relational, close to us as a family member would be. There are people in our families who hold us together. My mom was like that, where she would call everyone and make sure they're okay, right? She called my Aunt Rose daily. She would make sure we all get together for the holidays, and then she was gone, and all of a sudden, it's like, who's doing that anymore, right? And so it's like, okay, well, it's been hard with COVID, but trying to step into that role and say, well, someone's wanting to keep us all together, and so who takes care of that? That's the idea of the father, someone who is relational, connected. And to keep themselves from idolatry, again, the Hebrews would dename God in two ways, one by giving him many names so that the unnameable became omni 
right? And so they gave him the name El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace, Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord is righteousness, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there, and on and on and on. They gave God so many names. Who is he? Well, he's like this, he's like this, he's like this, he's like this. And by giving him so many names, there was not one name that they could hold on to, but then they did have one name. It's the name Yahweh, but it has no consonants. You can't pronounce it. And to this day, many Jews, when they write the name God, they'll say G slash D because they don't want to write it out because they don't want to degrade it. They want to show reverence to it. And so they had many names and they had one name that you couldn't even pronounce. All it had was vowels. It was more like breathing than speaking. Why? Because they're trying to capture the understanding, yes, God, the Father, but more than that, he is our righteousness. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is all these things. And his name is when we breathe. It's the ocean we are in. This is intentional. So they wouldn't commit idolatry. And I wonder, do we commit idolatry without even thinking of it because of our reduction of maybe God in our minds, of who we claim God to be? Anselm said, God is that than which no, none greater can be conceived. Whatever I can conceive of, God is greater. Now, I can conceive that I can't conceive of God, so I don't know what I do with that, right? It's like God is more than I can conceive, but I can conceive that I can't conceive who God is, and I'm realizing now that I am just the ship in the ocean, and God is so much more. I see this much of a picture that is this big. So when Moses asks to see God, he says, you can't see me. And live, and then in the scripture it says it says he. But I'll let I'll put you in the cleft, and I will show you. It says my hind parts, which is a strange thing, right? You can't see me, but you can see where I've been. And I believe this is a poetic way of expressing just this, that God is not an object, but a living work among us, that we can't see him, but we can see where he's been. We can see how he delivered the children from Egypt. We can see how he is at work through a nation. We can see him as he shows grace and mercy and kindness. Think of the closest relationships you have, right? Those people who you've known for years, they're not the same people they were. I've been married to Corrine's thing 38 years now. She's not the same woman I married. She deceived me. No. <laughs> I'm not the same person she married. <laughs> I deceived her. We've grown, we've changed. To know her is to live and experience life with her. It's not to know, well, this is her favorite color. I don't know what her favorite color is. It's probably changed. I don't have a favorite color. I can't even talk. How, how do we know someone? We, we live with them. We experience life together. We, we grow together. How do you know God? Isn't it much more that way among us? So knowing God is not so much about understanding, but maybe it's more about participating, living with. 
And there's this crazy idea that you will never find in the Bible, and that's if you love your neighbor, you will love God. I'm joking. It's in the Bible. You guys are just standing there. And no one said anything. You're supposed to laugh at that. That was supposed to be funny. And I, I'm joking, but do you see how mysterious that really is? Right? Because we think to know God, you have to know the information. And John says, no, if you want to know God, you need to love one another. It has become almost a footnote in how we are to know and love God instead of being the essence of what we do. We know and love God by reading the Bible, by saying our prayers, by going to church. And those are all great things. But in truth, we learn of God and love God by loving one another. In 1 John chapter 4, he says, Beloved, let us, not, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And again, this idea of Trinity, this idea of relational comes to mind. Although Father is inadequate at totally representing God, it is capturing a picture beautifully, which is why we embrace it because it has to do with the relationship. It has to do with connection. It has to do with interaction with each other. If God is not more than an object, more than a doctrine or understanding, if God does not shatter and break into our lives, then is it God or is it a projection of what we want God to be? Knowing the God revealed in scripture and more clearly in Jesus is about a different way of being, a different way of living. It's not about gathering information. The gravity of this world is moving to do things a certain way. If I'm hurt, I will hurt you. If I'm offended, I will offend. I will repay evil for evil. But the grace that Jesus lived into is different, and we see that showing out throughout his life and those who followed him. Paul would write in Romans 12, verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, leave, live peaceably with all. Now, this is something that we see played out in politics daily. That's another joke. Um, thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, live at peace with all. You see, this is contrary to the gravity of the world that is trying to gain power, trying to hold on. We have this revelation through Christ of this is who God is. This is what God is like. Peter would say in 1 Peter 3, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Faith in God at its best is about attempting to orient ourselves different in the world, not merely have a certain view of the world. And that's a big difference. It's how I live in this world, not what I think of this world, that shows my relationship to the God I believe in. Because we can say we believe, but if we don't love, how can you love God who you haven't seen when you can't love your neighbor who you have seen? 
And so the idea of God becomes much more than some doctrine that we try and understand. It becomes a life that we live into. It's not a projection that we try to capture. It's a projectile that shatters the way we live and conforms us into the image of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And that word perfect means to be mature, complete. Jesus is talking about the way we love, the way we interact with people. That's how we look like our father. He's not saying that we need to be morally perfect. He's telling us to love the way God loves because this is how we know God. You want to know who your father is? Act like him and you will start to know him. Do you see how that pushes against maybe what we've learned? To know God, I have to read information. I got to go through doctrinal studies. I have to do these things when there could be a person who's a total layman who'd never read the Bible. Remember, they didn't have the Bible for the first, well, 300 years. And then most people didn't have it until like almost 2000 years. So how did they know God? They loved one another, experienced God in their interaction with one another. It wasn't about the information. To know God is about living with one another. When we choose not to bring retribution to satisfy our anger, when we don't do evil for evil, but by choice of our will do good, then we look like our Father, God, the one who has given himself to us through Christ. And then is our love being made perfect, mature, complete. And that's a glimpse of God the Father. And so as we go through the understanding of God, I hope that we will not reduce God to an object or a being that we can understand. That we begin to recognize that whatever we conceive, he is much more. And that we would be open to being shattered by this belief, that it would flip our world upside down just like Jesus flipped the world upside down. And that we would recognize we can understand if we know God by how we interact and behave with one another more than we can by the information we have. That the God we see in scripture who we call God the Father is very relational. It is a part of who he is and it's a part of who we are to be. Let's pray. Father, it it seems 
almost pointless to try and describe you because you're beyond description. It seems unfathomable to try to understand who you are. And yet we've been created in your image and we bear that image. We can't escape it. We are immersed in it. But we only see a glimpse of it. May we resist the temptation to try to know you by just information. May we lean into the mystery of who you are that shows up in how we live with one another. May we understand that when we call you Father, we are not calling you a man or like our dad, but we are recognizing our relationship to you. And in some mysterious way, we can carry on your image in our world. May you strengthen us by your spirit to do so. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Going to have a time afterwards for questions. For those of you who are here, if you have any questions, and I should have said online, if you guys have questions, you can put them in and we look at it, but I forgot to say that earlier. But may you know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. And may your life bear witness to your Father in heaven. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you guys for being here. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.